So Lord, we 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 understand that the what we're singing right now, Lord, is is you speaking to us. And Lord, you speak to us in a way that is free of saying, you know what, you need to get right before you come to me. <laughs> Nowhere in your word does it does it really say that. As much as, as we look at the prodigal son, Father, this man, he was eating the same food that the pigs were eating, having come from a, a house where he had anything that he wanted. He went out and he squandered his inheritance, Father. And it, it said that he came to his senses. But that's only something that you can do. And he just went home. Father, that's a picture of how you are with your children. You get our hearts to a place where we are ready to come home. And then, Lord, you just, you're standing there with your arms wide open saying, just come to me. There's no amount of God credits that need to be built up in order for that to happen. You are just a dad who is after his children. Lord, and I thank you so much for that reality. I, I thank you that that's a truth that I can dwell on, that we can dwell on. Lord, and free of our emotion, free of our opinion, that's still true. And this morning, Lord, as we step in, I pray that we get a picture of who our father is. We get a picture of who our dad is, Lord, and it's okay to call you dad. Because you are in such pursuit of every single one of us. God, you're coming after me. Not to blow me out of the water, which you have every right to do, but you're coming after me because you love me. Lord, I just pray that we get that picture this morning that is, as we jump into this book of Romans, Lord, and we, we see who you are, we see more of your character, that we can understand the love that you have for us. Holy Spirit, be in this room. God, we call you into this, into this room, and you say we're two or more gathered, you are in the midst, and Lord, we come in an agreement saying we cannot do this without you. Lord, we just can't. We can't do it. We can't do it. So I ask for more of your revelation this morning. Open up your word. Let it penetrate our hearts, Father. Let it be surgical today. So that we walk out of here a changed individual. It's more than just a Sunday morning experience. But Father, we want to concentrate and dwell on who you are. Because anything else doesn't deserve our praise. It just doesn't. So we love you. And we thank you. We need you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. Everybody in here looking so good this morning. I appreciate you guys being here. You could have decided to go somewhere else this morning, but you came to ESIS, and I am very, very thankful for that. You came to listen to some weird guy talk about the word. Amen. And that's okay because we're it ain't about the messenger as much as it's about the message. Hallelujah. Amen. Good. Well, if you've been here for a thousand years, you kind of know what we've been doing. Uh, we got out of the book of Nehemiah right before the Christmas season. We're through this whole service series, and now we're jumping into the book of uh, Romans. And. As we jump into the book of Romans, I've been communicating to you guys that this is a book that when it's preached, it, it, it changes people. 
It changes you from a, from a place that uh, nothing else can. Let me say it like that. Circumstances in your life, they don't necessarily change you as much as the Word of God does. They influence, okay, and they somehow add to your experience. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and learning all of who He is, ladies and gentlemen, that's what takes a person from A to B. That's what takes a person from huh, destroyed, completely beat up, to redeemed. Amen? And so this book has been unbelievable in just the first verse that we were able to preach last Sunday. Beck before that was able to open the whole thing up for us and I appreciate him doing that. Gave us the lay of the land, landscape. And then last week we looked at verse 1 and was only able to get past verse 1. I remember I had 1 through 17 up on the slides for you guys and it's like the Lord said, hey, guess what? <laughs> we're also way down. But was it not good? The message and the messenger, we understand... Uh, what is being spoken through the entire book of Romans is more so about one thing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about the righteousness of God. Um, but to kind of jump right into that this morning, I, I don't want to do a whole lot of an introduction as much as just start reading, reading the Word, reading Scripture, because... Um, that's really what we're here for more than anything else. But I do have to let you know that twice a year we have what's called retreats, council retreats, uh, and leadership retreats for both groups of both of those groups. Uh, what we do in in the uh, the fall is that August retreat. We combine them. Uh, we combine the council and the leadership. But we actually just came off of our council retreat this last. Uh, weekend and it was at the Armstrong Hotel which I've never been to before it's amazing um, they've done an amazing work over there um, so what came from that was our head elder who is Jerry who does an amazing job in leading us as an elder I've been to council retreats before. I've only been on three of them since I've taken over. And what they've usually been and what I've heard from uh, what comes from those meetings in the past, obviously because my dad's on there and he comes on and he just uh, word vomits everywhere. Here's what the Lord was doing. And it's, it's a time where we get to hear God. I mean, just slow down and, and hear what he's saying for the church and for us on, in, in an individual level. Well, we jump into this council retreat and it's, it was way different than what I expected because Jerry operated as the head elder and it was so um, exciting to be able to see him do that because what he did is he brought us into the understanding of this one thing, what it means to enter into God's rest. And that just, it floored me. Because I remember communicating to you guys last weekend about where Eosis is going, what the Lord is doing with her, and how he said, I'm taking you off the bench and I'm putting you in the game. Now, if you've ever played on any team, those 15 seconds where you're you know, about to go in, like there's some nervousness, right? Well, I communicated to you guys that I am overwhelmed. And it, it has scared me the magnitude of what he's asking us to step into, which is just the proper working of Eosis' uh, purpose. That's all it is. 
But here I am communicating to you guys about this overwhelming sense of responsibility that didn't cause me to run out the door. I said I'm scared, I'll be honest, but it doesn't make me run. It makes me turn and put my hand to the plow. But nonetheless, what the Lord spoke to me, He said, look, son, you're using the word overwhelmed as a substitute for saying that you're anxious. You're just anxious about this thing. Right? Smack me in the face. So let's just call a spade a spade. Let's call it what it is, you know. And so we get into this council retreat, and what are we talking about? Entering into his rest. And what I appreciate so much about how the Lord operates, and then also how Jerry operated, was that if you pray for something or about something, what the Lord does is he puts you in a position, an experience Man. that Let's just say you pray for patience. He doesn't just give you patience. <laughs> he puts you in a position that requires patience, right? <laughs> Does it, and I love it. Here I am being anxious, so he puts me in a position to remedy that anxiety, right? It was so good. Jerry took us from just talking about God's rest to saying, all right, we're going to have these breakout sessions. And in my spirit, I was rolling my eyes. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I don't want to do this. I want to get to talking about Jesus and what the Lord's doing with the church. And this was so, this shot was such precision into my heart. Because we had these 30 to 45 minute periods where we were just silent. And after you get over the conversation and the noise in your head, man, Jesus starts speaking. He starts picking you apart. He picks you apart. And I use that language, but it's more so that He starts unwrapping you. He doesn't pick you apart to leave you exposed. He picks you apart to say, hey, look, this is how much you need me. This is how much you need the gospel. So here's what it did. It took me to Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 9. And I don't have that in the, in the slides because this hit me this weekend. And usually I, I send, here's what we're, we're talking about. Here's what I need you to put in the slides um, earlier in the week. But you should have your Bible if you don't. There's, there should be one in front of you. Um, don't pick up one of those hymns because there's not a whole lot of scripture in there. Those hymn books. <laughs> not going to get too far. But he brought me to Philippians 4. Uh, this is one of the scriptures we looked at on, on uh, Friday and Saturday night. And this may be a familiar scripture to you. So just, just read along with me here. Philippians 4 verse 6. says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, and in some translations it says all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now I've heard that before, right? I'm anxious, I start praying this first, and I'm still anxious. And I'm like, look, Lord, it's not working. Okay, you said be anxious for nothing. You told me to tell you about it. I told you about it. And I'm still anxious. What's, what's going on here, right? <laughs> and I started to read on. Okay, verse 8. It says this, finally, brethren, I love this. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Catch that. Dwell on these things. And then in uh, verse 9, the things you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. Practice these things. Practice these things. <laughs> and the God of peace will be with you. Right? He said, hey, look, boy, I need you to practice this stuff. And not just throw up a flippant prayer like I'm going to come save the day. He can save the day. Oh, he can. But that would be void of a, uh, of a relationship. Because it would be just a God who I call on when I need, and he comes and he saves the day. Right? In here, he's saying, your anxiety literally gets up and screams out of the room when you dwell on the truth. When you dwell on what is right. When you dwell on what is pure. When you dwell on what is of good repute. You guys with me this morning? What he was saying to me was, look son, uh, you're not dwelling on all that is Jesus. You're not dwelling on me. You're not thinking about me. You're thinking about all this other stuff, the waves. Alright? There was a time in my life where the, I was in the waves and I would just roll with the waves. I'd be alright. I'm good. <laughs> But all of a sudden, the waves have a little bit more of a, a voice in my life, getting me to a place where I'm overwhelmed, where I'm anxious. And he's saying, it's because you've taken your eyes off of me. What I want to be able to do with you guys as I preach the book of Romans is be so real that there is no flowery, candy-coated anything that's coming across the pulpit. When the Lord is absent in your life, it shows. For me, it comes by way of anxiety. Amen. And I, I just, just got to be real about that. If you do not deal with anxiety in some form or fashion, you're probably not human. I always say, teach me your ways. But the ways are taught to us in the Word. You know? You, are you with me this morning? That's what he did. He just said, son, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal you of your anxiety right now. And it comes by way, it came by way of then going back and looking at Romans, these verses from 2 to 7 saw it in a totally different light. Because if I'm going to concentrate on the truth, it's spoken in those verses. And what is the truth? What have we been talking about? The righteousness of God is what? The revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. So if I'm going to concentrate on anything, it's going to be that. But what Paul does as we now turn over to Romans is he rolls out the gospel by way of three things. The antiquity of it, antiqueness, okay? Antiquity just meaning antique, old. The age of the gospel and the fact that it's been around forever. Literally since the Lord said, let there be light, it's been in existence. And the second thing is the subject matter. The subject of the gospel. And we'll get into why this is so important when it comes to what you let yourself dwell on and why Paul is saying this. It's just, it really is just rocking my world. I love it. I hope it hits you this morning. But the third thing is the fruit of the gospel. We see that in these 
verses. And we'll get to the title later because that's in, that's in the Scripture. But are you, are you trucking with me this morning? You're on board? If not, email me. I'll try to respond. I might not. I just uh, not read it. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So, last week, again, we looked at the message in the messenger in verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel. I think it's so important that we understand that he denotes that he's set apart for the gospel because he used to be a Pharisee, which the Greek translation of that word was a separatist, meaning that his life before he was set apart for the gospel was set apart for the law. So now he's saying to us, look, I've been transformed. I'm set apart for something totally different. And then he says this, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That right there is the antiquity of the Word. The antiquity of the Gospel. Now, what I want to be able to communicate to you through that is I think it's important that Paul states this. And it's not just something that's assumed. Because we live in a day and age where there are so many counterfeit Gospels. It's ridiculous. Counterfeit Gospels being the difference between right and almost right. There's a difference between right and almost right. Almost right is completely wrong. That's right. Okay? It is. <laughs> you can kind of make it look like, well, guess what? It's not Jesus. Alright? Let's just be straight with it. And here's why. I feel like he had to state the antiquity of the, of the word. It's because it's not new. And it needed no tweaking, and it needed no rearranging. I said this in first service, that we have this massive Mormon temple in the southeast part of town. The only thing that will allow us to combat that is the gospel of Jesus. Here is this huge monument of a counterfeit gospel. When the old gospel has been around since the day that we came into existence. This cross, as I point to the cross, I'm not pointing to like this microphone back here, sorry. I should explain myself. Does that make sense? See, I love how Beck rolled this out for us a couple weeks ago using the language of Paul was confronting the church at Rome saying, your reputation is being heard all throughout the Mediterranean. Now let's compare Gospels, because if the same Gospel in me is the same Gospel that you are preaching, then we should have the same result. So he's saying, my Gospel versus your Gospel. The subject of my Gospel is Jesus. Let's, uh, let's see what yours is. It needs no tweaking, ladies and gentlemen. But when I come with my Gospel, the Gospel of Alex Square, what do I do? I tweak it for this reason. And I've got to read this. This is not something new or not something that has been reformed or tweaked over time for this, the justification of human satisfaction. I twist the gospel of Jesus Christ so that I can be comfortable. <laughs> wow. Then what happens? Anxiety sets in. Because I'm not dwelling on the right thing. I'm not letting my mind rest and all that is Christ Jesus. Amen? So Paul continues after he lays out the antiquity and the importance of the antiquity of the gospel. 
He moves to something that is, that is deep. He says, after he says, which he promised, to, uh, promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son. That is the subject matter of the Gospel. Now, if your Gospel is about anything other than Jesus Christ, then I'm going to ask you to reevaluate that. And here's why. He begins to explain why the Lord is the subject matter of the Gospel. In Scripture, we see that God is all that is man, and He is all that is God. And Paul begins to tell us why. He continues by saying, concerning His Son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. Now here's what I'm going to do really quick. I'm going to read through the rest so that we can get the full context of what we're, we're, uh, we're looking at. I did that in first service. I forgot to do it in this one. I want to read the whole thing so that you guys can get all of what we're saying or what we're looking at real quick. So just let me continue to end of verse 7 then I'll come right back. Concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for His name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So after the antiquity of the gospel, we get the subject matter. And Paul begins to explain why the subject matter is so potent. Why Jesus is and should be the subject of the gospel. He is all that is man. And begins to say that he's a descendant of David. Alright? According to the flesh. Now you know what that means? That means that if he was all that was man, the same temptation that I deal with, the same fear that I deal with, the same friction that comes on a daily basis because of X, Y, and Z, he dealt with the same thing. Everything that you are going through right now, do you know that Jesus dealt with the same thing? That to me puts the Lord that I serve right in front of me in a capacity that allows me to speak to him just like I was speaking to my mom. Just like I was speaking to a friend. He's saying, look, I dealt with the same thing you did. And I want you to know that I understand where you're, where you're at. I want to understand where you're coming from. He's now making the gospel personal. And that's what I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's personal. It's not just these rules and regulations that we got to follow and make sure that we hit this, this, and this. No. This is a real man who dealt with real issues. Now, he was sinless. He was perfect because he walked through it with the Father. You can walk through your situation if you ask the subject of the gospel to walk with you. Amen? But then he moves on to why, again, let me just say this. He proves that Jesus was all that is man. And then he, he moves on to speak about the Lord's deity. 
and why His deity again is so potent. And I love it. It says this in verse 4. Who was declared the Son of God. Okay. Now this was not a whole bunch of people sitting around saying, you know what, I think that Jesus, this cool guy, is, is God. So according to our opinion, according to our power, our fleshly whatever, okay, He's going to be God. He's going to be declared God. So what I don't understand about these other religions and why people kind of gravitate towards them, and I don't, I just want to be sensitive when I say this. They cannot say what I'm about to say about my God. They cannot say about whoever is the, the subject of that religion what we can say about what's about to be spoken in these transpiring verses. You guys with me this morning? Amen. Make sure everybody's awake. Not lulling you to sleep. So he's all that is, is man. And then he's all that is God spoken... In verse 4 saying, Who was declared the Son of God with power? Okay, by what power? And then he just lays it out. He says, The power of the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. No other religion can say that a man walked out of the tomb with them, with me, on his mind. I'll say it again. <laughs> no other religion can claim the fact that our God, Jesus, walked out of the tomb. Is there anybody in here this morning? Amen. <laughs> the reason I'm, you know, kind of getting a little bit loud and asking you is because, guys, that's a subject matter of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not by my power or my opinion that He is God. It's not even by our collective opinion. It's by the power of the resurrection, which we are about to celebrate. Easter, it's like middle of April this year, or something like that. No other religion can claim that. Dwell on that, and your anxiety will fly out the window. Dwell on the fact that he has dealt with the same temptations and things that I deal with. My anxiety leaves. He's saying, look, man, whatever you're dealing with when it comes to being overwhelmed with leading a church, <laughs> he's saying, I led 12 dudes, 12 guys who were messed up. But as I walked through my ministry, the three years that I was on this earth, the amount of things that he saw and he faced helps me understand, helps me get through what I need to see, what I need to face. Because he walked through it. He walked through it before I did. Are you guys with me this morning? My anxiety just says, you know what? I'm good. I think I'll go somewhere else because I can't hang in the presence of Jesus. I cannot. You with me this morning? Amen. Good. Now, we get into the fruit. That which comes from dwelling on the subject matter, okay, of the gospel. And after he says, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now I believe that the we that he's speaking about is, is simply the apostles who are communicating this word to the, Rome, uh, the Romans. Because of verse 6 when it says, among you. There's a we and there's a you here. 
And we'll get to that in, in, in a minute. But we have to understand something about apostleship and about grace. And I'll speak about apostleship first. But this is Paul speaking. Okay. Now there's a difference between being an apostle and apostleship. Apostle, they're, they're, they're one and the same, but they're different. Let me say it like that. Paul as an apostle has a, a, a working, he has a, uh, uh, how do I say it, like a job description, just like I do as a pastor, uh, a functioning. Um, and if you want to learn more about apostles, get a meeting with my dad, because that, that boy, he walks in it. And there are modern day apostles because of their function. Now we don't, apostles don't write more scripture. Let me say that, that's taken care of. So that's kind of the debate with that. But the, the debate is not really a debate when we understand that we don't write scripture anymore. So that, that's neither here nor there. But an apostle has a function. But, an, but what apostleship is functioning in this statement? Being sent on a mission. That's what apostleship is. Now, I am a pastor, bona fide pastor. My heart is to take care of people. That's all I really want to do. I do construction, but it's like, eh. I don't really want to do that today. Let me just go get coffee with somebody and just meet. And let's just talk, you know. <laughs> um, but yet I still have a mission. So I function as a pastor, but I can step into apostleship because I've been sent to do something. Does that make sense? So here Paul is saying that because of the subject matter, because of Jesus Christ, um, we've been sent, excuse me, let me get back to the scripture. We have received, I want to use the right word, we have received grace and apostleship. Grace, anybody know what grace is? Grace is the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. So Paul has been, uh, has been given the gift of grace to communicate the message of uh, uh, the gospel within this thing called apostleship, being sent to do so. That's why in the word we see it spoken <laughs> that you've been saved by grace. You've been justified by grace. Grace being something that you cannot do. Given the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. Let me say this, you cannot save yourself. You just can't. There's no amount of works that you can do to climb the ladder to heaven. You just can't do it. So the Lord says, let me do it for you by way of my trek to the cross and what I did three days after. Amen. Paul's been giving the same grace. You and I have been given the same grace to communicate this gospel, to communicate Jesus, period, because you've been sent to do so. Does that make sense? Then we move on to after he says we all receive we uh, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about here we go the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake. I couldn't get past this, and I'll tell you what I was I was unbelievably frustrated this week because I was like Lord, can you just tell me what that means? Like. Uh, I'm searching and searching and trying to figure out what it is that you're saying. And I just couldn't get over this. 
what is the obedience of faith? And why is it that it's spoken here saying uh, the purpose of the antiquity of the gospel, the subject matter of the gospel, is to bring about the obedience of faith. Do I even operate in the obedience of faith? Beginning to ask myself that question. What does this even mean? So I start looking at, okay, the word obedience, what does that mean? It's interesting that in this day and age, younger generations, can, I mean, older people considering my generation, and as I coach over at Poudre High School, it's very evident, kids got a problem with authority. <laughs> massive a problem, massive problem with authority. And this word submission is hard. Being obedient, it's a hard thing. That's what, that's what obedience means. It means compliance in submission to you fill in the blank. You know, I got encouraged when I was young, and by encouraged I mean spanked so that I would be obedient. <laughs> My dad lit me up, it was great. I really, uh, I really appreciate that, but obedience, you gotta be obedient to something, right? So it's saying the obedience of faith. Do we even know what faith is? Now the word tells us what faith is, but if I came up to you randomly without the week, uh, throughout the week and just asked you to explain, what is faith? Think about that. What is faith? Would you be able to explain it? You know what it, I mean, you know what it is. Come on, in here. You know what it is. But what is faith? Hebrews 11, verse 1, explains to us in very, very... Um, Loving detail, let me say it that way, what faith is. And again, because this is something that came to me during the weekend before I got slides up here, we don't have Hebrews 11 verse 1 to show you. But because you're in church, I'll say it again, you should have your Bible on you or your little uh, pocket knife, your phone, whatever that is. Um, and it says this, if you can turn there, it says now faith is. So here's our answer. Shows us exactly what faith is. It says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. That's what faith is. Now we read that and we think to ourselves, okay, what does that mean? If I'm going to be compliant and submitted to the assurance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things unseen. Other translations say this. That faith is the substance of things expected. Okay? And the evidence of things not seen. And I love, I love those, those words as we start to break in to what those words actually mean. That this word assurance and sub, uh, substance uh, has to do with structure. As you look at what the, the definition of the word assurance means. There's assurance, there's, there's substance, and there's subject matter within that word. Substance meaning that I can reach out and touch it. It's real. The substance of things hoped for. Okay, now this is not a hoping and wishing saying, you know what, I just, Lord, I just hope you show up. I hope this happens. I hope that happens. All right? The translation that it's read, things expected, moves us to an understanding that this hope is a confident expectation. So now I have 
that now my faith is the substance of a confident expectation. You guys trucking with me on that? The reason why it's constant, or uh, a confident expectation, is because it's something that you've seen or experienced over and over and over again. You know its character. You know what it does and what it doesn't do. Alright? Now I'm saying it for a reason. Before we put Jesus in there. Alright? Confident expectation. And then it says, and the conviction of things unseen. If you're ever watching like NCIS or a movie or whatever and it's a courtroom thriller or whatever, somebody gets convicted of something. That means the allegations that were um, that came up against that individual were proved right. They were just proved by way of what? Evidence. Facts. Okay? Conviction just means a proving of. So it's saying the substance, alright, things that you can reach out and touch of a confident expectation and the conviction or the proving of something that cannot be seen. That's what faith is. Now let me, let me break this down for you when it comes to things that are not seen. And also, let's take God out of faith real quick and then we're going to put him right back into it. So truck with me on this one, okay? Everybody in here, you have faith. The question is, what do you have faith in? Everybody in here has got faith. As you sit right there and look at me, you put faith in that pew that it's not going to fall over. Right? It's something, it's an assurance, because you can reach out, you can touch it. Structure, substance to it. Right? And you have a confident expectation that this seat is going to hold you up. Why? Because you've sat in many seats before. <laughs> and whether this is the first time that you've sat in this pew, particular one, whatever, or the hundredth time, you have a confident expectation that you're not going to whip, pop over and then you know, come up on YouTube or Facebook as some la laughing stock, whatever. You, know? you have a confident expectation. You have faith. You put faith in this, this pew, right? And why do you do that? Because it's proven itself over time, over and over and over again. The conviction, the fact of it. But here's the part that I love so much. The conviction and the evidence of things unseen. Now, what would it look like if you came in here and every single time you wanted to sit down, what you had to do was pull apart the pew, take all the screws out, inspect everything, put everything back in so that you knew, okay, how it was constructed. And then you sat down in it. You know what that means? It means you don't have faith in the pew. You don't have faith in the chair. You don't trust chair. Like I said, everybody in here has got faith, right? But guess what holds these things together? Things that you cannot see, but things that you have faith in. There's screws, there's nails, there's fastening devices that are in this thing that you don't even question exist. But guess what? You can't see them. But just because you can't see them, does that mean they don't exist? See, that's the conversation and the, the narrative that I hear from people all the time. I can't see Jesus, therefore he doesn't exist. Well, guess what? <laughs> Two weeks ago, we heard the wind. <laughs> that's good, yeah. Right? We saw the effects. Mm -hmm. The 
conviction, the evidence of the wind on all these trees and fences that are blown over and I'm driving in my big old truck and it's moving me all over the place. Right? Just because you can't see the wind, but yet you see the evidence of the wind, does that mean that the wind doesn't exist? I'm sorry, but it does. Now let's throw Jesus into this faith business. Everybody in here has got faith, but do you have faith in Jesus? Because the substance, the subject matter is Jesus Christ. You catch that? The subject matter is Jesus Christ. And the, the confident expectation, ladies and gentlemen, I should not be here today. The testimony that is in me, the fact that He has shown up for me day in and day out for 31 and a half years is my confident expectation. The fact that you woke up this morning, hey, confident expectation. What more do you need? If we were to thank God, He doesn't do this, but just put all our stuff out, the fact that I am where I am, it's like it shouldn't, it, what are you doing? But see, He is the one who moves me along every single day. I don't hope for that. I'm confident that when I ask, He's going to show up because that's His character. My expectation is in who God is. Not this, Lord, do what you want, if you want to do it. Nah. You catch that? And then we move to this conviction, the evidence of things unseen. Same thing. Look, you may not be able to see Jesus in the flesh because He took care of that 2,000 some years ago. You may not be able to see Him in the flesh walk around. But I see the evidence of Him working in people's lives every single day. When somebody who... She was sitting right over here in first service. Some four or five years ago when we were at 363. Had a MRI on her brain. And she had MS. She had lesions on her brain. And we prayed for this woman at one of our Sunday night services. And she went back to get an MRI. And I'm not saying that us praying is something special. It ain't got nothing to do with Eosis. It has nothing to do with us as much as... It has to do with the healing power of Jesus. Alright? So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> she goes back and gets an MRI. It comes back and it's gone. Okay. That's not one of those things like, I think it's MS and I just don't feel good. And then I, we pray and then it's okay. There's documented evidence of that. The facts. Me, myself, I got diagnosed with UC. Ulcerative colitis like three, three, two and a half years ago. And it's gone. Like I don't, I don't have the symptoms of that anymore. That could have rolled into colon cancer. We've had individuals in here healed of that. And I'm just saying, what more evidence do you need? How much more do you need the Lord to prove that He's here and that He exists in your life and in mine? That's what faith is. So when it comes to my submission... And my, uh, what was the other word? Um, let me get back to this. Compliance. The obedience of my faith in Christ. The gospel is being rolled out here 
because the purpose and the fruit of it is to not only return people who don't believe in Jesus to the obedience of faith, but it's to return me to the, the obedience of faith. That I dwell on those things. When I dwell on those things, my anxiety, I'm telling you, it can't even hang. It can't even stay in the room. Because he is so much more powerful than any thought that raises itself up against him. And what are we supposed to do? Take those thoughts captive. And when we get to Romans 12 2 sometime in 2036 or something like that, because we're going so slow, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by what you let yourself think about. That's, that's, that's where that comes from. He doesn't say be transformed by the renewing of your heart. Why? Because he's the only one who can change a man's heart. But the thing that he puts on us that we're responsible for is what we let in here. And what we let come out, what we let come out, what we dwell on. Amen. If it's not Jesus, the fruit of it will be anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no other way to say it. <laughs> it's not to like hit you in the head and say, "Hey, when you're anxious, you're you're just a bad Christian." Okay, no, it's diagnostic, and that's all it is. Just showing you where you're at. Now let's get somewhere else. Right? It's that easy. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> You guys, you guys catch that? Alright? The obedience of this faith. That's the purpose and the, uh, the fruit of this gospel. Now what I want you to do, if you have your word open still, I just want you to turn to the 10th chapter of, of Romans. Because we can talk about what faith is. But how do you get faith? I hear, I hear so often people saying that what's going on in my life is... is uh, how do I say it? What if... Yeah, there it is. What's going on in my life is building my faith. And I would challenge that statement. What's going on in your life refines your character. But what's going on in your life doesn't build your faith. I'll tell you what builds your faith. Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes, alright? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what builds your faith? Understand, understanding more of the subject matter. Understanding more of who you have faith in. So that when you need to call on your faith, it's in the right place. So from Genesis to Revelation, getting your head in the Word, you want to build your faith? Build your understanding of the Word of God. Not from a, a lawful standpoint. That's not what I'm talking about. From a relational standpoint. So that you understand who this man is. Because if we look at it from a lawful standpoint, like I say, we'll end up closing the book and putting it away and saying, there is no way I can ever accomplish any of this stuff. You're right. But that's where grace comes in. Giving you the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. You see how all of this stuff works? He set it up that way. <laughs> and it's perfect. Grow your faith by growing your desire to get into the Word. Amen? Amen. Dwell on these things, ladies and gentlemen. Dwell on the subject matter of the Gospel.
I think that there's so much in these verses that we might revisit them next week. Because Paul doesn't open up any of his letters to any other churches the way he does this one. And I think that that's worth looking at and getting into. Why is it so... Uh, why is it this way and other letters are a little bit more brief? Uh, so we might end up hitting these verses again next week on the front end where I might have to get into verses 6 and 7 in a little bit more depth, but like I said, it's just so hard to get all this in in 30 minutes because <laughs> there's just so much in there. But I hope what has been communicated is encouraging to you. Amen? Amen. That you and what you dwell on, let it be the truth. Well, here's the truth. He's all that is God and all that is man. He's, he's all that is God because of the power of the resurrection, not because of my opinion. And I so thank God for that because sometimes my opinion of Him in my life is like, Lord, where are you? <laughs> what are you doing? I don't get it. But He's still God. But I want to I close with this. And let's get prepared for our offering and have the worship team come back up here. Let's get ready for that. I want to close with this scripture. And again, this isn't in the slides, but it's uh, Psalms 46.10. And this was a, a verse that was again highlighted during our council retreat. And it speaks so much to me because it totally knocks me off of my performance stool, if you want to call it that. The feet or the shoes that I, that I walk in are very much performance-minded. That if the Lord reveals something to me in Scripture, the very first thing I have to do is make sure that I'm not trying to effort myself to this place of trying to dwell on His Word. He says this in Psalms 46.10. He says, Cease striving. He says, Stop it. Stop trying to do. Stop trying to achieve. Stop trying to better whatever. Get up on top. Uh, who knows? Use every analogy you can. And he says this, Cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. See, that, that just knocks me over. Because then I get so excited and I'm like, Lord, okay, now I'm dwelling on the truth and here i got to go do these things. And he says, you know what? I, I appreciate the fervency. I do. <laughs> but before you even start, slow down. Stop and know who the God of this entire earth, the heavens and the earth, is. Now he does say be a good steward of what you've been given. All right? So I'm not saying just lay on your bed the rest of the day. You know, you don't go to work and you say, hey, my pastor said cease striving, so deal with it. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying because I'll get in trouble. I'll get those emails and calls. Stop trying to effort yourself into a relationship with him. Know that he is God. And when he tells you to, to step, just step. When He tells you to speak, just speak. Come to the obedience of the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bring you guys up here and we can get ready to close. 
You can go ahead there, Jared. Father, I just... I thank you so much for what you reveal in your scripture. And God, how it is so surgical and just cuts us open. Not to leave us exposed so that we can see how wretched we are. But Father, it, it just shows us how much you want to come in and, and, and un unwrap us. And show us just how valuable we are. Just how amazing and gracious and righteous of a God you are. Thank you for that. Lord, as we pray for this offering, God, we just want you to, to give through us and show us the, the correct heart that we should have when it comes to giving. Uh, giving in a way that is of the understanding, Lord, that it's all yours anyway. And, and we want to release to you what's yours. And so, Father, this morning I pray that you would bless the offering and, and bless what gets put in there for your kingdom. Just for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and pass that. So the word says that the word of God, as it goes out, will never return void. It never will. And what you've heard this morning is just that. It's just the word. And I say so often that, you know, there's nothing in this world that can change your heart. Not moving to a different place, not changing jobs. I mean, sure, a change of scenery can help you out with some things. But hey, guess what? You are where you are because that's where you are. <laughs> Only God can change a man's heart. Only Jesus, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can change a man's heart. And so, if there is anybody in here who has let this word get them in that secret place, you're coming to the realization that you've never really accepted Christ into your life, well, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Because it is it's not any amount of my motivational speaking that can get you there. <laughs> it's talking about the Word. And so, what it says in the latter chapters of, of Romans is that if a man confesses or a woman confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, then boom, you're in. You know where you're going when you leave this earth. That is all that is needed. What happens afterwards is baptism is a, uh, an, ex uh, an outward expression of an inward truth. Baptism is not required to, to receive the, the Spirit of God, to receive salvation. I just want to be clear with that. But if the Word has moved you this morning to a place where you realize that I need that subject matter, I need His Son who's all that is man and all that is God, and you've never prayed that prayer before, what I want to be able to do is give you an opportunity to do that. To transfer your trust from yourself over to Christ. And the reason for that is, is sin has created this gap between us and the Father. But He, gave, he came with a solution. <laughs> and His solution was sacrificing His flesh and sacrificing His blood. So guess what? You can have communion with Him. You can have a connection with Him. And so let's just pray real quick. Father, 
we thank you so much for the fact that your word only needs to be spoken doesn't need to be added to and it definitely doesn't need to be taken away from but Lord when it is spoken it cuts it separates the soul from the spirit bone from marrow and Lord if there's anybody in here this morning who wants to give their life to Christ for the first time has never done that before but doesn't really know what that means it's simple to simply confess with your mouth believe in your heart father uh, I just pray that you would you would move on them to do so where they want to transfer their trust from themselves to you saying look God I need your grace I can't do this by myself anymore there's no way I'm, I'm sick of falling flat on my face I don't have anything left if there's anybody in here who wants to make that leap for the first time all I'm going to do is ask you to raise your hand just raise your hand and upon raising your hand we'll pray for you and welcome you into the kingdom of God Jesus, thank you, Lord. And for those of us who are deep in our walk or just can just starting our walk, Father, you speak to us about this thing called discipleship. Where we don't have to do this thing on our own. That we can walk shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, arm in arm, and point each other's shoulders towards Christ. Lord, if there's anybody in here who wants to step into a discipleship relationship. God, I pray that you put that on their heart and you transform them in that area. And if that is you, just come talk to me after service and we'll get you going down the right track with that. That You just don't want to do this, this Christian life on your own, this being a follower of Christ on your own. But Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's stand to our feet. We're going to close with this worship song and let... Let some things sink in this morning, but realize this is Jesus talking to you right now. Saying, come to me. I'm all you need. I'll give you the benediction here in a little bit. Come to me. I'm all you need. She operates in, in that, that prophetic. And so let's, let's just listen to what the Lord's speaking to her. And receive, receive this. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord just wants us to know that it's one thing believing in him, but he wants us to seek him, to seek him right now. Because as you seek him through that journey, there's many rewards just waiting for you right along the way. So the Lord is just asking us right now to just seek him. Just, just don't be comfortable in just believing, but go out and seek Him. And there's so much He wants to bestow upon us. So many blessings. Amen. Father, we just want to receive that, Lord, that there's this, there's this seeking that you're asking us to step into this morning. And Lord, it's, it's got to go beyond lip service. And so as we worship, Lord, I pray that we let that word sink in. There's many rewards that come from us seeking you. So Lord, again, let that sink in. Go ahead, Jerry. Let's, let's wind that back up. I'm your anchor. I'm your anchor in the wind and the wind. And I am your steadfast, so don't be afraid. 
that these blessings will be added to us as we go after you. As there's an active give and, give and take from this relationship. It's a two-way street. Father, we don't want to just take from you. We want to receive, but we also want to give back. We want to give you our time, our, our, our concentration, our attention. It just, it, it's so much on me, Lord, that when, we, when we're, uh, how do I say this, Lord? We are captured by anything other that is, that, that, that's you. When we're captured by our phone, when we're captured by our emails, Lord, that means that we're not captivated by you. And so I, I pray against the distractions, Father. Those things that raise themselves up to steal our attention and to steal what it is that we should be dwelling on. Anything else just doesn't deserve our time. So Lord, we seek you because as it's been spoken, many blessings will be added to us as we seek your throne. So Lord, this morning I pray for protection as these men and women walk out of this place closer to you. God, that you would clothe them in the Holy Spirit. And that those flaming arrows from the enemy, those distractions, they would just, they'd be put out because we have our armor on and we're swinging the sword, which is the word. So Lord, encourage us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You're free to go.